First news with Keeler in the morning on WIBX and WIBX950.com. Sergeant Dave Olney is uh, with the New York State Police. And uh, Dave, good morning. Thanks for coming on. Good morning, guys. It's always great to talk to you guys. I, I do want to point out that uh, I downloaded this handy-dandy WIBX 950 app. And, nice. Uh, so I'm not I'm a fan. Town. It's awesome being able to listen to you guys uh, out of town. Uh, Thank you. And you know the, the beautiful part of it, uh, this is what my wife tells me, is is it's easy to shut off. Um, <laughs> like, when you get sick of us, pause. Yeah, we're gone. Yeah. yeah. You can rewind and do it again. Um, uh, it's incredible. Uh, that app is available in the in the Play Store, Google Play, or in uh, the App Store. And I okay. want to thank everybody. I think we did hit our goal. I think we did. We oh, did. by yes. the way, I'm sorry, Sir, Dave. You mentioned it. this, and I don't want to take any more time. I forgot my phone today because I do stupid things like that. If you open up the WIBX 950 app on your phone, there's a bar on the top, and it'll say things like news, weather, contests. Scroll over. Because uh, there is now a Keeler in the Morning podcast featuring episodes from oh, really? That's our awesome. live show here, uh, interview segments and best of segments and all that. Uh, we are building. It is building. It will continue to grow. But there's probably about 30 episodes up there. Nice. Check that out on the okay. free WIBX 950 app. All right. Thank you, Dave. Sergeant Olney, good morning, and thank you for downloading the uh, the app. <laughs> and I led in with the, uh, with the Cheech and Chong song called Weed Are the World. And Weed Are New York is yeah. really what uh, the deal is. So what kind of, you know, I, I, we had someone calling yesterday and say, all right, let me get this straight. So we're worried that it's that you can't tell if somebody smoked marijuana um, when they have no bad reaction to it. Isn't that a good thing? Um, how, how do you react to that? Well, um, I could probably talk to you for a good hour or so about this, um, but the basics are impairment is impairment. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like you can drink a certain amount of alcohol and you can be fine, you're not going to be impaired. You can operate a vehicle, you can function. You can take certain amounts of medication, you can uh, take certain amounts of illicit drugs and not be impaired. That said, if you're impaired, you're impaired. So like with alcohol, and a lot of, a lot of um, your callers, and even Nagel was right yesterday when, when he said there's, there's no like roadside breath test for us to give somebody with marijuana, but we're still going to give the same tests that we do for alcohol, the field sobriety tests. And the, the bottom line is if you are impaired, you are impaired, and then we're going to proceed from there. Um, a, a lot of people that we test for alcohol on the side of the road, we, we uh, take them out of the car, we run them through the standardized field sobriety tests, we give them the uh, pre-arrest breast screening test or, or the breath, the handheld breath test, yeah. and, and they're fine, and we, we dust them off and send them on their way um, be, because they, they completed – all the field sobriety tests mm-hmm. satisfactorily, and we deem, determine they're not impaired. And the same thing goes for uh, for drugs. So, if you're not impaired, it's possible you could have smoked at some point during a period, but you are not impaired. There is nothing that would would make a police officer say, "All right, you've passed the test. Everything that you've done, you've done." Um, I, I, there's no evidence here that you smoked marijuana. That would be the conclusion, right? Yeah, and you have to look at it just like alcohol. You, yeah. you can drink a you know a half a beer or whatever and swig a half a beer and then run out to run an errand. We pull you over. We smell the odor of alcohol beverage on your breast. We get you out and test you. We determine you're not impaired. We send you on your way. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really no different with drugs. So. Yeah, that's, um, we, that's what I was thinking, too. A, there's, there's about 350 drug recognition experts in New York State, which is not a lot. Um. It's, it's a very small number compared to 
the number of police officers right. in New York State. Which is why Dave will be busy the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and, well, you're going well, you to we're going to have to learn and then train. Yeah, uh, that seems to be what we're we're going to be doing in New York State. And we've been, it's not like we're scrambling to catch up right now. Yeah. Uh, I've been a DRE since 1997, and, and, and this program started in the 70s in Los Angeles, and it's a national and international program now that's, uh, w- when you complete this training, you are an expert. It's one of the few things in law enforcement that you can be considered an expert in. Um, it's very intensive training. Uh, it's been compared to drinking water from a fire hose. It's uh, it's uh, two weeks of classroom. It's probably the hardest classroom training a police officer can take, and then mm-hmm. it's time in either a, a jail in Arizona, a facility, a drug facility in Florida, and we go and we actually put hands-on and do, do testing on, um, in controlled environments on drug-impaired individuals so we can see firsthand what those drugs do to people. You know, um, um, it is interesting that while you might not, like you say, a seasoned, and I think Nagel said this yesterday, a seasoned marijuana smoker um, or a seasoned cannabis consumer Will will act much differently than someone who uh, who uses it randomly or infrequently. Um, and, go ahead. And if you think about that, that's no different than alcohol. And you, I was just going to say that who, yeah. who wakes up at a at a point one five, yep. and they function a lot differently than somebody mm-hmm. who rarely drinks. So, and I, I was going to bring up that, and I, I hate to go back to my wife again today, but um, like she can walk in a room apparently. I don't know. You trained her. Uh, somebody trained her, but she can walk in a room and say, "You've had too much to drink." <laughs> I don't know how, and I'm like, "No, I haven't. I don't know what you're talking about." Nope. You've had. I've. You. You've had more than two. And well, that, I'm assuming there's a look, and you don't know it. You don't see it. Well, that's a great point. And, and when we teach police officers about just field sobriety testing, your your layperson can tell from across the room when somebody's a you know a point two zero. There's just things that's, that jump out about them, yeah. and you don't even have to get close to them. Um, it's it's the people like like Nagel was talking about that are uh, on the on the borderline in that gray area, whether or not they are impaired, whether or not yeah. they're they're used to using it. And those are the ones that we're trying to teach every police officer yeah. how to recognize. Yeah. Well, we're rolling out this pro. It's not rolling out. It's been around since 2007. It's called A Ride Advanced Roadside Impaired Driving Enforcement. Actually, I'm actually teaching uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, Downstate, I'm teaching a bunch of experienced police officers, and it's a bridge between the standardized field sobriety testing that we give every police officer in the academy, and the drug recognition expert uh, training, which very few people get. Yeah. And it's that bridge, so when they're in the street, they recognize impairment by something other than alcohol. Mm. So it's it's to open their eyes and to get that to get them to the point where they're seeing impairment, because like I said, we all we all know the signs of. Impairment by alcohol. You certainly have the odor. You have the speech. You have the motor coordination. You have the eyes. All that stuff. Um, but if you come across somebody who's using Percocet or you come across somebody who's using uh, antidepressants, they don't. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. They don't act and look like alcohol. So we have to train our people to understand yeah. those. And marijuana yeah. is no different than any other impairing drug. So the the reality is, it is because it's going to be hard. To, it will be hard to prove. It's like okay, we we suspect. You were borderline, and we suspect you'd been smoking marijuana and you were under the influence. Well, now you got to prove that, so you do a test, but it's going to show only uh, basically sometime in the last 30 days you had, uh, you had, had now, consumed. I want to I poke a hole in that for you okay. right now. That, right. is, 
that is true if we're testing urine or hair. Okay. Okay, because the metabolites stay in your body, and it can be up to 30 days. So if I was the defendant, I would tell my lawyer, hey, you tell the court that I smoke smoke every single day of my life except the day I got arrested I didn't Mm -hmm. smoke. Okay. And then, and then, and then you have a, you have a defense because you explain why it's in yes. your system. And if it's legal, it's legal. Um, the the our way around that is if if we test somebody, we're going to take a blood test. Mm, if it wow. is in your blood, it is impairing you. If it's in your blood, it's in your organs, your muscles, your brain. Um, and and if it's in your blood, it's psychoactive at that time. So it doesn't stay in your blood for 30 days. It actually metabolizes fairly quickly out of your blood. So if we can show that it's in your blood and we also show that you perform poorly on field sobriety tests, there's a direct correlation to it being in your blood and yep. being okay. the substance that's impairing you. Let me ask you this. What do, uh, because there are some attorneys out there that will say, don't ever take the test. Don't take a breathalyzer test. Refuse the test. Well, you're automatically going to, at that point, you're automatically charged, right? You're going to be basically, you're basically going to be prosecuted, not prosecuted, but you're going to be held responsible two different ways. One is through the criminal courts and the normal proceeding because a refusal is a refusal. We yeah. we like to have the test and it actually helps you as much as it helps us when, when we have a number with, yeah. I'm talking about alcohol. Um, but if, if you refuse, now you're going to um, still, you're still most likely going to get charged and... You also have to go before the Department of Motor Vehicles and go to a refusal hearing, and all we have to do is show that we had a reason to stop you, mm-hmm. a reason to feel you were impaired, and that we read you your, your refusal warning, and yep. you're going to be you're going to lose your license. Right. Even if you go to court and you beat the charge in court, yep. the criminal end, you, you've still lost your license administratively. Uh, Dave, when you said marijuana in the blood is uh, it's there for a fair amount of time or a short amount of time, about about how much time are we talking? Twenty four hours? Two hours? Yeah. It's a it's a couple hours where it's going to show up in the blood. A couple it's, hours, so, okay. There, there's a difference between so you, you're going to have you're going to have psychophysical impairment and and um and so we're going to see we're going to see indicators um, through our drug recognition expert evaluation that we do, which takes about an hour. We're going to see indicators, and sometimes the police officer on the street is going to see things a little different than we did because maybe it's closer to the actual time of use when they tested you. Um, and then as time goes on, just like with alcohol, you're metabolizing out of, out of your system. Um, and it, there's, there's no way for me to tell you how long it's going to be in your blood um, with marijuana because we don't – it hasn't been studied to the point alcohol yeah, has where yeah. there's, a, there's a rule of thumb, you metabolize 0.015% BAC in one hour. Um, and that's kind of a rule of thumb we go by. Well, with, with marijuana – it depends on so many different factors. And, and the thing with marijuana today, the marijuana from, you know, when we were kids 30, 40 years ago, it's 10 times stronger now. The THC level, it's been, it's been, um, it's been um, worked on, and they've, they've in, in, I'm making a finger quotes, they've improved it uh, to the point where it's 30 times stronger yeah. than it was, you know, so, that many years ago. So there's so many different varying strains and so many different varying strengths that it's we can't we can't say that it's going to stay in your system yeah, in your yeah. blood for only an hour or four hours or six hours or whatever. But it, the, it, the, the the rule of thumb is if it's in your blood, it is most likely impairing you. Whether we're talking about DWI or uh, driving under the influence or whatever it is that uh, the charge would be, um, we're we're still the reality is 
if you're impaired and you're driving and God forbid you kill someone or yourself or someone in your car, somebody else, somebody, a pedestrian, who knows? Um, that's really what we're talking about here, right? I mean, God forbid something like that happens. So just be smart and don't, if, if you're going to smoke pot, you shouldn't smoke pot and drive when you're, when you're impaired. It's, it's just like alcohol. I keep going back to that, but um, yeah. you could be the best driver in the world, and, and you could, let's, let's say you're lucky enough to, to, to drive home, you know, 50 times from the bar drunk, and the 51st time, you're still, you're still on your way to making it home, and somebody yeah. runs a stop sign, and, and, and you T-bone them. Um, and, and we start an investigation, and you're impaired. Even though you didn't cause the accident, you're, you're getting arrested. You're yeah, responsible. that's a very good point. That accident might have happened yeah. with, a, with a drink or without or pot or whatever. But the fact that it happened and now you're, you're under the influence, that becomes, right, now now you're talking, if somebody dies, you're talking about a potential manslaughter case there. Yep, and state police policy is anytime there's a fatal or a serious personal injury accident, we will deploy a DRE, and yep. a DRE will look at everybody, regardless yep. of whether you're at fault or not. We're going okay. to take a look at everybody. I also want to point out, Bill, that the threshold for impairment versus intoxication is much, much, much less. So intoxication, that's when you talk about the point zero eight and mm-hmm. the DWI. There's also DWAA, driving while ability impaired, and that, that applies to alcohol and drugs. And the definition of DWI is, is basically you've got to be intoxicated and you're impaired to a substantial degree right. to prove in, intoxication. Impairment, the law says to any degree. Mm. So it's it's much it's a much lower threshold. And the, the thing that I worry about the most, honestly, is if you remember back in the you know, 10, 12 years ago when, when Utica, New York, was the bath salt capital of the world mm. um, with K2 and Spike, yeah. and, and it seemed like every other day somebody was on the mm-hmm. roof naked with a shotgun, you know, and it was, it was, it was a, big, a big deal. But and we were stopping people, and we were arresting, yeah, we were arresting them for DWI drugs, and they were saying, you can't do this to me because this is legal. I was able to buy this in the convenience store, so you can't arrest me for this. Um, and that's, that's not accurate. Just well, like yeah, alcohol. Just, just like prescriptions. Drugs, right? Just like prescription drugs, yeah. Yep. Uh, the, the combination of alcohol and prescription drugs or alcohol and marijuana, just like Nagel said yesterday, a little bit of alcohol and a little bit of marijuana is is a compounding issue. It's mm-hmm. not like yep. if you just smoke a little bit of marijuana and you try to drive or you just drink a little bit of alcohol and you try to drive. If you mix those two, one and one isn't two. One and yep. one is yep. eight or ten or fifteen. Dave, do you know, um, and this will be my last question, do you know uh, what happens when the governor signs this? What is, is there any part of this new legislation that goes into play immediately or is everything delayed and staggered? I don't know. I've been trying to yeah, been trying to get information. I'm sure we're going to get some bulletins that come out immediately, yep. um, and I can let you know when we find okay. something out. Um, it's crazy that we're, we don't know. For, we're, yeah, we're trying to train every trooper in the state in ARI before the end of the year, so All we're right. completely covered as far as our eyes in the street. Yep. And I've got one one more for you, real quick. <clears throat> Look, a lot of times. I guess people get high, right? And everyone always says, it's not like you want to go out and kill somebody, go rob a bank, like you want to sit on the couch and be lazy. Will you be writing more tickets for people not doing the speed limit? Because I'm telling you, I I almost lose it. Are you, saying, are you but, saying pot smokers will not do the speed limit? Right. Yeah, yeah, like you're, you're not going to see people doing... speeding all over the place. You're going to be see people doing 38 and 55. Under the speed limit. <laughs> right. So, you, A, you can get a ticket for that, right? It's kind of a stereotype, and I, I don't want to go there, but... Uh... Yeah, you know, w- w- one thing cannabis does is it 
it, it, it creates a serious divided attention. So you, if, if you're able to keep your car straight on the roadway, you're probably not paying attention to speed limits or vice versa. Mm, there's, there's, there's severe divided attention. Yeah. Well, I, did, I have one more, actually. That's okay. okay. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Uh, will it be difficult to, uh, more difficult, if let's say somebody didn't smoke it, but they ingested an edible or did some other form that doesn't produce an odor? Yeah, now you're surfing the car. It's yeah. going down the road and you're on the hood of the car. That's a great question. Yeah. And one of the analogies that I use when I teach this A-Ride class is I, I tell the officers, Go out on patrol every day like you have a cold. Have you ever arrested a drunk driver when you could not smell the odor of alcohol beverage, but you saw other things that jumped out and kind of slapped you in the face, other yeah. indicators? And I said, if you look at people like you have a cold and you can't smell what may be impairing them, because like you guys said, there's only a few things that are going to be able to be picked up by odor, alcohol, marijuana, uh, uh, PCP. There's only a few mm-hmm. things that we're going to get cued by the odor. Everything else is are those subtle indicators that we're looking for. And yeah. so those are we, what we're trying to train our people to. Because like you said, ed- edibles, certain vaporizers, um, right. there's just no odor. There's no odor. So we have to be looking for those other things. And Again, I could spend an hour just talking about the indicators yeah. of cannabis and how the DRE program works, but um, there's tons and tons of things that we look for that you they're involuntary, that you yeah. can't. Yeah. You can't tell your eyes not to do certain things. They just do them. Uh, Sergeant Dave Olney, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. We learned a lot this morning. Thank you very much. You guys have a great day. You do the same. Thanks so much.